Welcome back to another episode of ISN Now, where we will today talk about some things you wish we didn't have to talk about from last weekend, but sadly we will, Noah. I mean, I think it was inevitable. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that conversation we're going to have about football, you know, it was definitely going to come at some point. You're hoping it'd be a little later, but right. we can start with previewing the final Illini Sports Night show of the semester, which is coming up on uh, Friday the 18th. Week from today. That's right. So you'll be able to listen to this podcast and tune to an ISN special that night. On the same day. On the same day. Isn't that cool? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, people who are big uh, ISN fans, you know, got a lot of them out there. Oh, yeah. Um, you'll be able to get your your content's worth on that day. and Your Michigan it, it, preview, it's a basketball preview. Yeah. Then you get to look into a uh, volleyball postgame show. Yeah, it's very different from what we've done this semester, at least, in the past few semesters before. Uh, you had a little bit of different looks. We did a hockey show. We did uh, a hockey show last year. Last fall, I believe. Yeah. Last December. It's been almost a year since then, which is hard to believe. I can't believe that. <laughs> but yeah, we're going to have a really cool post game uh, for that game on Friday. And, you know, after that, we're calling it quits for the semester. But it's been a great semester for that. And for that, let's lead it into football, huh? I guess so, right? Got to got to have the discussion about the tough 23 to 15 loss to a 16 and a half point underdog Michigan State. The Illini just I mean, to put it lightly, they got out everything on Saturday. There was nothing that Michigan State didn't did not do better than the Illini. Michigan State played better defense, better offense, played more team ball. The coordinators talked about playing complimentary football. They didn't do that. Michigan State did that rather. Overall, it was just kind of a disaster. Yeah, just like you said, um Illinois, they really just didn't look themselves didn't. at all like throughout the season. And it's not like they played a great opponent and you could be like, oh, well, you should have seen that coming against a team that's just better in every way usually. But Michigan State was coming in 3-5. and five. Right. Like after a, an 11-2 and two season last year, they were looking a lot worse in every, every aspect really. And they didn't on Saturday. Nope. Uh, you should have known <laughs> Illinois being favored by 16.5 points, probably one of the biggest – favorites against a Big Ten team in years for Illinois. You should have, we, we should have seen it coming, uh, knowing how that's worked for Illinois. True. But, yeah, like you mentioned, they didn't play complimentary football at all. Ryan Walters talked about that. And it came down to execution, uh, especially on the fourth down plays. That was brutal. Fourth One for six. So terrible. One for six. Yeah. And, uh, and Barry Lunny talked about it. He was like, that falls squarely on me. Mm -hmm. He's got to put his guys in better position. Um, I mean, I think you need a little bit more of a variety of your play calling you on those fourth simple. downs. It's way too simple play calling. They're, technically, it wasn't their last chance, but it really felt like it. You're down eight. You make that comeback to get it within one possession, and it's third and one on the 19 of Michigan State, like five and a half minutes left, and you run it back with Reggie Love. You get stuffed four and two. What do you do? You go back to that almost identical play. When they're loading the box, that's the thing. It was predictable. And after they didn't get that, it was a lot harder to come back. And Michigan State almost let it happen with that missed field goal. But there just wasn't enough time left with no timeouts. So, See, it was kind of interesting how there was a turnover on downs in the Illini territory. They went four and out on a possession where we thought that they would at least get something going. But no, they had got nothing going at all. DeVito got sacked twice in that possession. And then – all of a sudden, Michigan State gets the ball that doesn't go anywhere with it and misses a chip shot field goal. And it's like, come on, don't give me hope. Stop. Stop. <laughs> we're sitting right next That's to each other. Literally... I know we looked at each other right away in the press box. We're like, come on. 
on, man. Really? <laughs> I, do, we, do we have to rewrite this uh, whole article now? Well, the but, thing is, yeah. I had a, I had a feeling, just a small feeling, after they handled the time so poorly, I was like, they totally would miss it here and just give Illinois fans hope just for them to bring it down to the Michigan State territory and then lose it in heartbreaking fashion, which ironically is exactly what happened. But yep. you, just, you just see in that second-to-last possession with Illinois, I mean, they just had four plays and they were done because it's hard for DeVito to just have less than two seconds in the pocket. He looked like Justin Fields out there, except Fields <laughs> runs all over the place. DeVito got sacked immediately. And then yeah. he, was, he was efficient in the game. I mean, if you look at stats solely, if you like are an outsider and didn't watch the game, you're like, oh, how did Illinois lose this game? Like Chase Brown had, oh, yeah, Chase Brown had 136, 136 yeah. rushing yards. Yeah. Devito had 280 yards of passing yeah. and, and two, two touchdowns. touchdowns yeah. Both Isaiah Williams. I mean, he's super. He's super efficient when you look at the stats. But I mean, it's not like you played spectacular. I mean, most of those passing yards came on the final drive. Yeah, it was really it was that drive and then um, the drive when it was 23 to seven and right. Devito was able to lead him right. down the field. Get it to Isaiah Williams. Speaking of that two point conversion play, they had to get to 15. That was a beautiful play. And credit to Coach Coach Barry Lenny for that one because that was actually my my favorite play call from that night, like by far. I thought that was the best play call. Yeah, they they ran Chase Brown out to the side, had multiple guys. You think they're going to throw it over like a little screen pass, uh, wide receiver screen, and then get him in there. But it was a great pump fake by DeVito. And then you find Pip Ryman in the end zone to at least give your team a chance. And it got the Illinois crowd back in it a lot of them left before that which i mean we were thinking it'd take a miracle yeah but and it almost did yeah somehow. you just go into that game you're favored by over 16 points you're down 16 points a lot of things just go wrong and a, a lot of that stems from failing to convert on offense but at the same time the defense really underwhelmed uh against a michigan state offense they definitely that, uh didn't really think that Michigan State would do much on offense well, after holding the Nebraska offense to literally nothing the yeah, week before. Yeah, the thing is that they didn't really force Peyton Thorne out of his element. No, no he didn't. He's Peyton been, Thorne he's, was very comfortable back there, besides yeah. the first throw of the game, which is an interception, which, I mean, after that first throw of the game, we were like, all right, well, is the route going to start early? But then all of a sudden, they, well, they get stuffed down near the goal line, and at that point, it's like, I mean, I like going for it there, but... I mean, at that point, it's like, why not just take the three points? Yeah. And, I mean, obviously, you're going to look back at it now and say that. Yeah, but... hindsight's twenty twenty, And right. I think we all looked at it at the time. We're like, okay, I like this aggression because you're favored to win by double digits. Exactly. You want to be aggressive early, set the tone. And you'd feel like you lost, like not lost the game, but like you feel like you lost a lot if you settle for a few goal at that point, mm-hmm. which in hindsight, you're like, oh, man, could really take some points. But Chase Brown, his first two rushes were 13 yards and 11 yards. Uh, and then his next nine rushes were 11 yards total. Yeah. And not being able to get any room whatsoever, the offensive line, and that's, that's one of the last things I expected. I expected Chase Brown to run all over them throughout the game because that's a, that's a defense that was completely Statistically depleted. Statistically still technically did, but it didn't really seem like it no, at all. It's, well, in that time when Illinois did get that lead 7-0 to zero after the uh, 60-yard touchdown to Isaiah Williams, after that, there really wasn't much until late in the third quarter. It took a while because yeah. the offensive line in that span was kind of getting dominated by the Michigan State defensive line, which you don't expect because they lost like eight players from the suspension against mm-hmm. Michigan. That's the right. last thing we expected. We talked about that we last did. week. We did. And their inability to set the tone looked like also kind of reminded me of how the 
the defensive line on the other side for Walters usually sets the tone, and they really didn't. I mean, there was maybe one play that they got some pressure in the backfield where they got a sack, and then there was another one, which credit to Peyton Thorne, there were a few times that Illinois made him make good plays, and that was the case when there was a blitz coming around the edge, and Thorne got hit hard, but he threw it right before uh, the hit came, and it was perfectly led. And that was when they got the touchdown to go up 16. That was a great so. ball. I will admit, Peyton Thorne threw a really good one. And it's just kind of a little concerning thinking about this weekend. And you got a guy named Charlie Jones coming in here who's had quite a season himself for Purdue. And Aiden O'Connell loves to sling the ball around. Yeah, it's definitely going to be a lot of passing for O'Connell, which he's struggled in the past, I think, three games. In the past three games, he's had. Well, Purdue only had three points against Iowa last weekend. Yeah, O'Connell which. O'Connell was terrible. You know, no disrespect. No disrespect. No, dis- yeah. no disrespect to Iowa's defense, but at the same time, you have a guy like O'Connell who's supposed to go in there, be able to throw 200 to 300 yards, especially when they're not a crazy running offense. Mm-hmm. You need to do that. And then the fact that Purdue's defense allowed that 24 points by the Iowa offense is unheard yeah, of no this offense. year. How do you let up three touchdowns to Iowa, the worst Hawkeye team that they've had in, honestly, in recent memory, I mean, even though they're five and four somehow, still they're still just. I feel like this is one of the worst Hawkeye teams we've seen in a while. Yeah. And yet Purdue's uh, Purdue's run defense just lets up so many rushing yards, and honestly, that gives me a little bit of optimism concerning that Chase Brown has rushed for a hundred straight, a hundred yards in ten straight games now. Ten straight reached double digits. Right. And which... in the first nine games, he has reached over that. So. Dating back all the way to last season against Northwestern, Chase Brown has had 100 yards in all of those 10 games played. And for this Purdue defense who struggled last weekend, it gives me a lot of hope. Yeah, I, we were, I was looking at the stats earlier, and Iowa, uh, like you said, they dominated on the ground. They did. Uh, Caleb Johnson, uh, one of their he top was running backs. last weekend. Yeah, 22 rushes, 200 yards. Hmm. 200 and two touchdowns. That was in West Lafayette, too. Yeah, ju- just one touchdown on there. And on the road, too, he just ran it with ease. And uh-huh. you look at Chase Brown and how good he's been this season. You should expect, especially with an Iowa team that has done little to nothing offensively this year, you should expect from a way more dynamic Illinois offense oh, yeah. that Chase Brown will just have a field day. And we predicted that against Michigan State. It didn't turn out that way. So it makes you a little more skeptical. for 136, yeah. though, which is, I mean – when when you really think about it, it doesn't seem like it's a lot, but it is. I mean, he had what thirty one carries. Yeah, he. I know it was in the lower thirties, but if you look at past after the first two rushes he had, he only averaged like three, three point something six, yards per carry. Yeah, which is not which is, great. Which is nowhere near at all. season average. No, he's like averaging in like the fives or sixes. Mm-hmm. Which at that definitely point, took him down last weekend. Yeah, you definitely should expect against a Purdue team that. Like coming in earlier in the year, you're like that's going to be a tough matchup. Oh yeah, uh, but which but now it, it's, it's still like it shouldn't be. Yeah, in the, in the Big Ten, we've talked about this. You can't expect, like, just fully expect to go in and walk out with a win. Oh no, just and that's what Illinois thought they're going to do last weekend. Clearly, I mean they they yeah, I mean, definitely did. overthought Michigan State. They saw that eight players on defense were suspended. They're like, oh, we'll just be able to run all over them. They'll be we'll shut them down on defense. They're not worried about it. We'll 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 cover against Michigan State. And then you got your rear ends kicked, and it's it showed on Saturday. Like if you underestimate a team in the Big Ten, you're gonna pay for it. 
Yeah. And it no was matter a, who it is. Exactly. It was a little different than the Indiana loss because it was. You watched the Indiana game and you outplayed them in every facet. But it's the exact opposite against uh, Michigan State. And at halftime, we were talking. We were like, there also wasn't a pass that was caught twice that wasn't. Uh, that was. <laughs> yeah, the refs didn't complete, have as big of a factor in this game than they did in. We're not. We're not saying anything. But, but you know, we are kind of. Kind of. But yeah. <laughs> but. You look at the differences there, it's kind of opposite in terms of who dominated who. And we were in this past game, Michigan State up 9-7 to seven at half. Mm-hmm. And although it's a close game, it doesn't really feel like it. Like I was talking to you, I was like, no, it, doesn't. it doesn't look great right now. Like, mm-hmm. We, still we then, felt really eerie at halftime. It was like yeah. a feeling like, what's happening? Well, yeah, the offense wasn't getting anything going. No, and after weren't. that first play, the defense wasn't holding them very well either. Mm-hmm. And so then they continued that and ended up winning. But you come into this game against Purdue, and they're a lot more – I guess we thought Michigan State was a lot more one-dimensional, but Purdue really looks like they are. They literally just have the O'Connell to Jones connection, at least last week. And throughout the year, Jones has been really well. He has almost a 1,000 receiving yards. And – Last week, he had 104 of the 168 passing yards for O'Connell. And so right. clearly, he was just looking mainly his way when they were struggling. And so if Illinois gets back to that role and they're just comfortable and they're dominant in the defensive game against O'Connell and they're putting pressure on him, he's going to look Jones's way most of the time. And if you put your best guys on him, they perform like they did against Nebraska, then you're going to see a very similar result to that Nebraska game. No, absolutely right. But taking a look at their running back, Devin Maccabee, he has 626 yards this season. He averages 5.3 per carry. I mean, he's he's not a bad running back. I mean, he's definitely not a guy who gets recognition in Big Ten, but he's a guy you could you have to watch out for. I mean, he's he's a pretty good running back. He's pretty shifty. Like if he gets an open space, he'll go. Yeah. And we've seen that. I mean, he's had a couple of breakout touchdowns that I've seen in Purdue games that have or highlights that I've seen. And Maccabee is a guy you got to watch out for. I'm not too worried about it. I mean, he's a He's just that he's just a running back where you have to pay attention to him. You can't forget about him with that Purdue offense, you know. Which that's a very that's a very good point. I mean, you look at the Nebraska game where they uh, played Nebraska. It was forty three thirty seven, really high scoring game, mm-hmm. and Mockabee really took advantage of that. Oh, he, he did. He had one hundred seventy eight yards and a touchdown. Which you look throughout his season, he really hasn't been utilized that much. Like if he was utilized as much as Chase Brown, he would have like close to as many rushing yards. Uh, which I mean his average could easily go down with that expanded role. Right. But look, his his most touches in a game was, at least in terms of rushes, was 30 that game against Nebraska. And other that other than that, he had 23 against Wisconsin in a game that was a blowout from the start. The and score was definitely closer. Than, I mean, the score the score of the game was closer than what the game indicated. Exactly. They only lost by 11 when Wisconsin realistically it felt yeah, like they won. Wisconsin was scores. up like. 35 to 10 at one point. Yeah, they also they also got a garbage time touchdown to make the score 35-24. Yeah. Yeah. So if you – I mean, it was a good point. They're not exactly one-dimensional, but if you can get pressure from the defensive line – I've mentioned it multiple times. This team is just completely different when the defensive line makes a difference. And if there's no pressure like you saw last week, Really, for a lot of that first half against Nebraska, there was not much pressure, too. So you've seen mm-hmm. you've seen the weakness there in that Illinois defense as their inconsistencies start to show a little bit. But if you can get that consistent pressure on O'Connell and 
fill up the holes so that Maccabi can't get any momentum throughout the game, That's then it's going to be really for hard sure. for Purdue to even keep up with the Illini. Oh, no, and absolutely. And the thing about the defensive front for the Illini is they, for the first time, I think all season, they got, they got dominated. I yeah. mean, it was rare to see them in the backfield on Saturday. And it happened maybe twice. I'm, to, to I'm, I can remember. I'm really hoping that a good old-fashioned rear end beating is what this what this Illini team needed because I feel like they got too confident. They got way too confident on Saturday. Thought they'd just go in there, get a win, and I think that seeing this loss is going to really motivate this team to come out and. I mean, essentially, you beat Purdue, you're essentially going to Indianapolis because then you don't have to beat Northwestern. Yeah, which I was taking that one for guaranteed, but then you see the way that they played Ohio State this past weekend. Yeah, Technically, you never know. I mean, the thing is, like, the wind was such a big issue. I could tell that it affected Ohio State. I mean, literally, their kicker was kicking 30-yard field goals, and the ball was just stopping (laughs) at at the goal line. It was literally just falling down. Yeah. Like, almost coming back like a boomerang. Mm -hmm. And I have to assume that had some sort of, it definitely had a big, a big factor, which Northwestern came out with more energy at the beginning, too. Right. Uh, so, yeah, I agree with you. There is a very strong chance that you win this game. You're in the, the Big Ten Championship, which, yep. regardless, if you lose that game against Michigan, lose like by 20-plus against Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship or Michigan, regardless of which one you play, that's still... Such a huge deal for this program. You still the amount still of nine and four season. Yeah, the amount of progress you make, and then you, you also, also play a bowl the, game. You also sweep the Big Ten West too, which is I'm. Tell me, last time Illinois has think about the last time they might have swept whenever they were in divisions last at the Leaders and Legends. I definitely know they didn't do it back then. It had to have been when the Big Ten was just one whole division. Maybe, yeah, maybe. Yeah, e- even then they probably didn't. Like this is one of the first times that they've done this, and it. You know, obviously, you don't know the conference realignment when UCLA and UN, or USC get here. Mm-hmm. You may see of like they, they spread it out more into like groups of four, which then they might have specific teams that they're going to play each year. Then that's really hard to gauge. But right now, when you have the two, this is probably going to be the one of the first and possibly one of the last times that you see this Illinois team dominate the Big Ten West like they have, and they just need to get it done on Saturday. They absolutely do, and the football game against Purdue will be airing at 11 a.m. on ESPN2. It's going to be a very big one for Big Ten West standings because if uh, obviously if Purdue wins, they're, the Big Ten West is going to get real interesting because Illinois essentially has to beat Michigan and Northwestern at that point to probably have a shot. Yeah, they, they don't. If they lose this weekend, they have to win the last two, right. and even even so, they might not. The thing is, if they if they lose to Purdue, they have to beat Northwestern. If they if they don't beat Michigan, then they have to. I think Purdue would probably have to lose one more. And thinking about Purdue's schedule, they still have to play Northwestern, Indiana, and those are two of the worst teams in the Big Ten. Assuming those will probably be two wins for Purdue. Yeah, which if Purdue be, comes to Champaign and beats Illinois, it's hard to believe that they respond to that by losing to one exactly. of those two teams. Exactly. So it's. It's very iffy at that point, but this game, out of all the games this season leading up to it, Illinois needs to be more determined than ever to get the win. They do indeed. I mean, really, when you look at it on paper, it's kind of hard to think that Purdue would win this game just based off the fact that they've looked horrible the past couple games. I mean, Wisconsin dominated them. Iowa dominated them. Here's the thing. I'm, I'm 
I know Purdue is a really interesting team, and I kind of feel like a theme with them is they play up or down to their opponents because they lost to a Syracuse team who's kind of fallen off lately. They yeah. barely lost to Penn State, who's in the top 15 right now, number 14 at home, which actually should have won that game, if you ask me. Mm-hmm. And But then you see the games where they lose. They beat Florida Atlantic by, I think, one point at home. It's it's a really interesting team. I, I don't know. On paper, Illinois should win easily, but we we thought of the, we thought that about last week too. So who knows? Yeah, and uh, you see, they're only favored. The Illini are only favored by six and a half points, which I think is fine. I mean, and, I, yeah, I no, I think that's very realistic. I think this game will be close uh, for the majority of the game, at least. I mean, could I see Illinois pulling away late? Yeah. Could I also see the same of last week? Yeah, like. That Michigan State game, I feel like, opened a lot of people's eyes, including the players on the team and the coaches. Uh, I think there will be a different Illinois team, one more reminiscent of the past games before Michigan State when you get there on Saturday. I'm just really hoping that the play calling is a little more diverse on Saturday, that Barry Lunny has a really nice plan set up for this game, yeah. and that they make Purdue's defense look silly like I, like Iowa's offense to Purdue's defense. Because, I mean... Let's be honest. If Iowa's offense, which is, may I say, just horrible, <laughs> yeah. may I say that you you can say that, and you wouldn't if, be wrong. If Iowa can do that to Purdue, why can't Illinois? I mean, why can't Illinois, who beat Iowa with their backup quarterback, do that to Purdue? Yeah, and the and the big part, like we mentioned, was the complementary football aspect of team, like the different sides of football building off of each other. When you see how Illinois wasn't able to build off a lot of confidence from their defense like they're used to, then that also, on the flip side, gives the Michigan State defense more confidence that they can handle the Illinois offense when they know that you know, the fans really were never that loud. They didn't have a whole lot to cheer for until towards the end. And so when you think about that, the comfort of the Michigan State offense helped build onto their defense, and you could see it going back and forth in a game that you know, Illinois got dominated in, essentially. It definitely was a dominating win for Michigan State on Saturday, but Illinois will play Purdue on Saturday at 11 a.m., like we said a little bit ago on ESPN2, so make sure you're tuned to that one. We'll give our predictions just in a little bit here, but switching over to basketball, started off very nicely, beat in-state foe Eastern Illinois, 87-57 to in a very nice 30-point win, highlighted by some incredible play by Terrence Shannon and Coleman Hawkins, Noah. Yeah, I, I didn't actually get the luxury of being able to go to the game like you I were was able sitting to, at the very but, top of the stadium. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I wish I could have gone regardless. I mean, it's still fun to see them in person. But seeing the game after the exhibition, the exhibition was like really insanely sloppy. You didn't really see a lot from Terrence Shannon there or Sky Clark, like some of the guys you expected to make big differences who hadn't been on the team last year. But you go in and... Really, what set the tone was that dunk by Terrence Shannon. Oh, that was unreal. I mean, I was I was actually at you know Richmond um, working a shift, and I was watching that game. I was alone, thankfully, because right <laughs> when he dunked that, I yelled out oh, loud. Oh, I bet, I bet. <laughs> and you're allowed to do that. Yeah, and I was. <laughs> I haven't seen like that reach that he had back. The way he brought that ball back and was able to slam it in. That was awesome. And from then on, the Illini were able to slowly build up that lead until the second half and. There were some similar themes that you could see from that exhibition game. Mm-hmm. I mean, they still were very sloppy. They were. They're very 
uh, rough on the edges. It's very raw talent on that team because they haven't played a whole lot together. I mean, you see, but it's what's really promising for me is to see some of those guys who are young, like Sincere Harris, Ty Rogers, who are coming in and playing with as much heart as they can. Oh, yeah. They're running all over the Sincere court. Sincere almost took the roof off State Farm Center with a dunk that he missed, sadly. But. Yeah, which, funny enough, he almost was able to posterize Jermaine Hamlin, who's uh -huh. a former Illini. Mm -hmm. But you can see that, man, this team is athletic. Right. I mean, I, I, I have not seen the an Illinois team. team is probably the highest it's been in a while, but the floor is also a little uh, is higher than normal, too. Yeah, which... You know, you know from the second that all those guys leave, Kofi and Trent, DeMonte, uh, Jacob Granderson, Plummer as well, all of those guys leave, and you have this whole new team. Of course, you're going to have like the highest floor you've had in a while, but at the same time, with how like you still have experience from different players that came from different teams, you have that higher ceiling because of how athletic they can be. Oh, yeah. You look at guys like Terrence Shannon, uh, Sincere Harris, Ty Rogers, and... Coleman Hawkins too, which had he had his best shooting performance of his career. It's not very often you can say that your five man hit five threes in the game. Yeah, which it's completely that's what you see in the NBA. You don't necessarily see five threes, but now Brad Brad said he's not a five, but he 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 had to play a, he's five play there. That this season, the starting lineup. He's definitely not this when Dane Danger came in, and Dane Danger had a wow. Yeah, Danger was great. Danger had a very good game. Uh, he had what seventeen points, ten rebounds, 17 which and 10, yeah. a lot of what he did was in that second half. Mm -hmm. And right at first, you're like, okay, he doesn't look too bad. Like he's moving around well. He had a few good hook shots here and there. He was getting some rebounds, but then he really turned it on in that second half. He at did. that one point, had that fadeaway jumper. It's like that was silky. What? Yeah, that was silky smooth coming from a dude who did not look good from free, like his free throws. Right. He, he and Ty Rogers. That's gonna have to improve. <laughs> That's gonna Which you look at Terrence Shannon, he carried the free throw shooting percentage. He was 13 for 15 by himself. The rest of the team, 5 for 18. Right. That's, that will come with time. That's just fundamentals. You look at the turnovers. Some of those were just ones you don't make when you have more experience with your team and playing together. And then the There's going to be growing pains for sure. Yeah. And we, might really, we might really see that when it comes to playing UCLA in a couple weekends. Um, and then eventually either Virginia or Baylor and Las Vegas. But it's going to be really interesting to see in these next couple of games against Kansas City and then against uh, Monmouth mm -hmm. how they continue to build that chemistry. And, I mean, let's be honest here. These are games that you should probably win by between 20 and 30 points. Yeah. More. I mean, you see Kansas City is 0-2 uh, oh already. They, yeah. They and lost, to, uh, lost to my game to Lincoln. I'm not even too sure if that's the school's Division One. And then they, uh, I guess they aren't. On, uh, Wednesday night to LSU and LSU season open by, by only eleven. Though. Yeah, so, so they they played them competitively, and I don't know too much about the background of LSU, but you still have you know former Illini Adam Miller there. You do. Adam uh, Miller just came back in his return from a torn ACL. Yeah, which good for him. I want to see him do well. Yeah. But you see that Illinois that's favored eighteen points. Yeah, that's good. Good for him. Uh, and you see Curbelo too with St. John's um, had a funny highlight towards the beginning that kind of encapsulated what. Curbelo is, but we won't go into that. Um, you look at the game upcoming, and Illinois is favored by 24.5 points. So they're not favored by quite as much as they were against Eastern Illinois by 33. Right. So I, I feel like a lot of that projection is after seeing them being like challenging LSU to only 11-point win. Probably. Which, you know, you want to see Illinois win this game by 20 to 30 or even more. 
just to see that they're improving on some of these games that are basically warm-ups for those competitions in Las Vegas. Against three, the four teams that are there, funny enough, are four of the top teams in their own respective conferences. Like you look at some of the guys projecting who will win each, each conference, and a lot of people are picking Baylor. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are picking Virginia. A lot of people pick, are picking uh, UCLA. So those games are going to be some of the toughest Illinois will probably see all season. Oh, yeah. And that's why I'm not worried right now seeing how sloppy they are. But in order to be confident about them going into Las Vegas, you need to at least see a steady improvement in these three games before they head off into that kind of death march sort of. It's just so intimidating for a, a new team like that in Vegas. But you feel a lot more confident if you see that improvement. No, you're absolutely right, and I think that going into those games, this is one of those games where it's like Eastern Illinois and the fact that you want to see them get out early, start hot. Like it is. I mean, I wouldn't be complaining if Coleman Hawkins had a very similar performance. I mean, Coleman Hawkins and Terrence Shannon combined for 47 points. Yeah. And in, in the game, in the season opener, too, like seeing your probably two main players this season going for that it gives me a lot of hope that those are going to be those guys to lead the younger players into like adversity type games that ucla and virginia or baylor will be in vegas because that's going to be a great early season test to see how this team is as a whole and then shortly after that you're going to welcome in syracuse to champaign so there this is a i love this non-conference schedule because because of the ceiling, the ceiling for this team is so high, getting them used to this really tough comp- competition before Big Ten play is really going to help them, I think. Yeah, and then, uh, as you mentioned, you have those guys that you know are going to have production for the team, like Shannon and mm-hmm. Hawkins. But then you also have a guy like R.J. Melendez, who I'm willing to bet, I'm willing to bet a lot of money that R.J. Melendez will not go scoreless again this season. Yeah, that was, I mean, he had one point off one free throw. But he oh, went he did? over okay. five from the field. Yeah. I mean, he only shot through five threes, and he went over five. He didn't shoot yeah. anything within the arc, which I kind of think is weird. I don't want to see that again. I want to see RJ Melendez have more of a balanced role instead of just being playing on the perimeter. He was, yeah, he was he very played passive. Played way too much and played passive on the perimeter. Yeah, and I didn't like that. I was not a fan of how he played. On yeah, Monday I, night. I don't think he'll have another game. I meant to phrase it like this: won't have another game in which he won't even have a field goal made. Right. I mean, he was he played that role that you see Jacob Grandison play a lot last year, where he was just the guy that would be the spot-up three-point shooter. That's essentially what he should be doing, but he's such a dynamic player that he he needs to play inside of the arc, too. And he will. I I guarantee you the coaches. I think Brad uh, will make adjustments for him. Brad will definitely. Um, And, you know, he was taking what they were giving him like in those first few shots. Uh, He had like some of those were wide open. Yeah, the first few like, I, I was like, okay, I can see you shooting that, and if it misses, that's fine. But, like, he should have looked more to drive to the hoop later on in the game when you're right. not getting that shot to fall. And that's something that I believe he'll change because we saw it last year, even in his rookie season or in his freshman year, that he's a really dynamic offensive player. Well, we're definitely going to hope to see a little more production of RJ Melendez. Hopefully, tonight in the game against Kansas City, that'll be at on Big Ten Network at 8 p.m. tonight. But now, it- before our prediction segment, how about the women's basketball team on Wednesday night? A 35-point win over Long Island. And I saw you or you tweeted that in Nancy Faye's five-year tender, they had no 35-point wins. Shauna Green, one game, one 35-point win. Yeah, I did a little bit of research on that because 
You've seen this team in the past few right, years. We'll Sunday too, probably. So please do. Yeah. Uh, the last win they had that was more than 35 points. I also did that research. It was the beginning of the 2017. Well, beginning of the year 2017. It was like in January, and they beat Rutgers 78-41. Okay. And that was the last time. I mean, you can use that too if you want. Why not? Maybe. I might. Um, I might. But yeah, you see that. I mean, obviously, oh, exactly 35 points. Like she barely got it. Like that could be a weird stat for some people, but that just shows that. Already, Shauna Green has enacted a different culture, different level of competitiveness where you right. play a team that you should beat by that much, and then you do. You see these past few years with Nancy Faye, they have their opening games where they only win by like 10 to 15 points. Like yeah. it's a close game the majority of the I game. Remember, and you're like, what I am I watching the, right I now? I called a game in early December last year against Butler, and Butler was 0-9 and nine coming into the game. They only won by, I think, 11 or 12. I think I was there for that one too. Seventy-eight to sixty-six, Illinois won. Yeah, and when you see them not like fail to, not necessarily blow those teams out, but like win with ease, when they have struggle winning against those teams, then you see it immediately transition to losing easily in those Big Ten games. I mean, they were losing. I remember last year I was at Illinois Indiana game. They were losing twenty-eight to eight at the end of the first quarter. Like it was, it was miserable. And there's just so much more hope now with the Shauna green team and i mean you could see the way they play is just different they're more energized oh they, yeah i saw that in the game i called against quincy they just don't make a lot of mistakes i mean last year there were so many missed layups and just yeah. the fundamentals were just so rough on that end but then mm-hmm. this year like you don't see them missing that many layups like that's just a big part you have to take advantage of those opportunities when you get them and they just did not do that great job last year but you can already see the leadership ability of Shauna Green. It's insane. Shauna Green coming in from Dayton, super successful. I mean, she won three different Coach of the Years in the Atlantic 10, and her resume coming in here was great. I mean, five regular season titles in the A-10, four NCAA tournament appearances. Overall, I mean, she was super successful at Dayton, so I'm really happy with what she's doing in Champaign so far. Their next game is Sunday against Alcorn State, and I will be on the call on play-by-play on Big Ten Plus. So, like I said last week, if you have it, you better tune in. Yeah, and I'll that's be... Like my, that's like kind of my <laughs> new saying. That, that, is, like. that is the Will Charlton <laughs> saying. And I'll be field producing that game as well. So, you know, we'll have a... We're sitting right next to each other. Yeah. yeah I, how about that? That's going to be exciting. But the stats you mentioned about Shauna Green and what she was able to do at Dayton, that just speaks even more volumes to how Whitman was able to get her to come to a job that hasn't seen a winning record in a long time. And I think she'll, it may not happen this year, but I expect it to happen in the next few years, which is insane to say. I'm kind of expecting it to be like Underwood's first year in a sense, but so far they're already more successful than Underwood was. Yeah, I mean, Underwood, they lost their exhibition game, the first first, uh, game. Two Eastern Illinois just beat on Monday night, actually. Yeah, coincidentally. And clearly that's not going to be the case with this team, so. But like we said, 2 p.m., Big Ten Plus on Sunday, women's basketball plays Alcorn State. But it is now time for the prediction segment, and we're starting with football on Saturday against Purdue. Noah, take it away. Okay, I will. Um, So we talked about how this Illinois team coming off a loss, you saw it against Indiana, they ended up winning six in a row. Mm -hmm. Bielema said that he thought that they needed that loss at that time. And I won't say that they needed that loss last weekend, but I think to compete in these games as well as they're supposed to, I think that wasn't necessarily necessary, but it definitely helped. And I think they're going to come in 
with that same fire that we saw. That defense, I think, is going to dominate. I still think it's going to be kind of close. It's hard to you know, win in these blowouts against these type of teams. I still think that Illinois wins 24 to 13. Okay, 24 to 13. I like it. I like it. Um, I'm kind of with you there. I think that Illinois comes in with a fire on Saturday. I think that out the gate, it's gonna be. It's gonna look like it might. It could be a close game. They're gonna get to a two-score lead eventually, and that's gonna kind of set the pace of how that game is gonna go. I got the Illini winning 24 to 17. I think that Chase Brown will eclipse 150 rushing yards, and I better be right about this this time because I've said this a lot recently and I've not been right. So I, I think he will eclipse 150 this time around. I think DeVito will remain super efficient. I think the defense makes O'Connell make a few mistakes. I think they'll have more than just one turnover like they did last weekend, which is kind of a big reason why they didn't win. And overall, I think that Charlie Jones will be shut down. I think the secondary will be like, all right, no more messing around. We got to get down to business. We got to shut down Jones. Maccabee will be Held pretty nicely. Purdue will find the end zone a couple of times. There'll be a big, there'll be a couple of big plays from Jones and O'Connell. Like you have to expect that. And O'Connell probably end up throwing for maybe around 200, 250 yards because he does that. But overall, I think Illinois kind of really sets the pace of play. Purdue gets a garbage time score later, late in the game to make it a one-score game. But 24-17 lineup. Yeah, I I definitely could see that happening. And the big difference between this game, like we mentioned, Chase Brown's ex- expectation, he's probably the most solid, like consistent aspect of either of these teams. And you expect him to produce, but then you have the big differences between O'Connell, who's had half of his interceptions, five of his ten on the year have come in the last three games. Right. DeVito has now jumped up to the second in the FBS in completion yeah, percentage. That's unreal. I mean, you have a guy like that who has only had two interceptions on the year either. He's very efficient, doesn't make mistakes. And then you have O'Connell, who makes all of these mistakes but can also make big plays. So I think the big difference is coming between those QBs. Absolutely. 11 a.m. on Saturday, ESPN2, tune in. But basketball has a game tonight, their second of the season against Kansas City. Noah? Yeah, I think uh, you start to see them pick up a little of the the fundamentals, the lack of fundamentals that you saw before. I don't think Terrence Shannon has as big of an effect, but I think guys like RJ Melendez and Matthew Meyer are going to step back up. Sky Clark only had a one assist, five turnovers in that first game. Mm-hmm. He's, I think games. he's going to step, step up. It was his only first college game. You see him start to lead the offense a little bit more, takes a little bit off of Shannon. Coleman still has the consistent output that you'll expect. I think the Illini win. I'll say like a 27-point win. I'll say 83 to 56. I don't mind that at all. I think uh, I'm kind of on the same page as you. I think it's going to be a much more balanced attack from the Illini. I think RJ will have a much better game. I think Matthew Meyer will make a few more shots than he did. He just didn't really look like he played with a lot of heart. Like we were kind of talking about that on Monday night. Underwood changes that. Underwood does, does change that. And I think Matthew Meyer is going to come out. He's going to have a better game. He won't maybe play for as long as we expect him to, kind of like Monday night. But I think Meyer has a good game. RJ has a better game. I think overall the starting five gets things going. I think Sky Clark will eclipse more than 10 points. Okay. Tonight. I think Sky Clark will see his first ever double-digit double scoring game in college. And I got the Illini winning 82-58. to 58. <laughs> to 58. Trying to make it as close as possible to mine, huh? I, did, I, I, <laughs> I got a 24-point Illini win, 82-58. to 58. Okay. All right. 
So we'll make sure to tune in tonight <laughs> at 8 p.m. on Big Ten Network for Bachelor vs. Kansas City. But volleyball is taking a little trip to the glove this weekend in Michigan. They'll be playing Michigan State tonight, Michigan tomorrow night, and playing two teams who have really struggled. Michigan State has lost 11 in a row, and Michigan has lost eight of their last 10. So, Noah, will they get a win against Michigan State tonight? They I think need it. I think they will. Yeah. Michigan so State has lost 11 in a row. They lost to Rutgers, who is horrible. The Illini swept them at home fairly easily, and then they lose one set on the road. But still, Rutgers is not a good team, and neither is Michigan State. Uh, I saw Illinois. I mean, you were there. You called the game. Illinois played really competitively against that Minnesota. And it was a stinger, a but win. I loved watching the game. It was just... They had so you much right more heart. You were right about it, too. Five sets. Yeah. Shout out my, my prediction. You were right about it. And, I, yeah, I think Illinois sweeps Michigan State, and then tomorrow night, I think they beat Michigan in four. I think they start to come back a little bit because now they've gotten past the tough phase of the conference. And the fact that they were able to compete in those has got to give them some level of confidence, right? All right, so you got three. You got a sweep against Michigan State. You got Illinois winning in four against Michigan. I think. I'm going to agree with you. I think, you know, I, I'm going to give Michigan State one set. I'll say Illinois wins in four and then wins in five against Michigan. So I'll go four tonight, five tomorrow night. All right. Well, hoping for two big wins for the volleyball team. Women's basketball playing Alcorn State on Sunday. Should be a good one. I'll be on the call for that one on Big Ten Plus, like I said. So, Noah, Alcorn State is a team that uh, has lost 82-33 to 33 and has lost 67-53. to 53. So, um, yeah, they have a 49-point loss on their resume already um, to Tulsa. So, 3-22 last season. How do you expect uh, the Illini to play against Alcorn State on Sunday? Uh, yeah, that definitely is not a good resume there for the, the Lady Braves. But, yeah, I, I think it's not going to be close from the beginning. Um, I don't necessarily expect Illinois to look polished. I mean, they didn't really look like – insanely high level in that first game but they looked good enough to beat uh, their, their opposition comfortably and I think they'll do the same against Alcorn State I believe that they'll win that game by 33 I'll say 88-55 I'm gonna go with 76 to 50 I'm gonna say 76 to 50 the line I went over Alcorn State yeah, I just, I just don't want to disrespect the team again when I said they'd only win by eight in the exhibition. Uh, I but, apologize to Shauna Green and the rest of the team there, but yeah, I, I believe they'll win comfortably, and we'll see. We will see indeed, but I'm going to keep saying it. Tune in on Sunday. You better. If you have big numbers. You better. Um, <laughs> there is no other option. It's, it's not a threat. But before kind of. we go, the look ahead. Cross Country has their NCAA Regionals this weekend. Wrestling will be at the Tiger Style Invite in Kansas City, and women's tennis will be in action. But that will do it for yet another installment of ISM Now. Noah, as always, what are your closing thoughts? Yeah, just uh, like Will said, go out and watch those uh, games. Attend them in person if you can, right? Um, and after this week, we could be talking about Illinois going to Ann Arbor with a chance to clinch the Big Ten West. We could absolutely be talking about that, but thank you for listening today for another installment of I've Now. We will see you next week, same time as always.